welcome back to the Y Hockey, periodically watching the Panthers play a hockey game after having all of them postponed podcast. It's nice to watch them play a game after, you know. I love that. That was the best one. Yeah, well, you know, I try. It's nice to watch them play a hockey game after having all of them postponed because only the Central Division has COVID, apparently. It doesn't care about Canada. The Northeast, apparently, it's good with, and it's good with the West. It's just, well, not the Vegas Golden Knights coaching staff, apparently, but it's only affected the Central Division. Just, just, it just happens. I'm surprised Discover is accepted. I know, right? Those commercials. Um, by the way, I have to ask, what would the, because um, we joked about the Wall Street thing with GameStop before we started recording this, uh, what would be the stock that would be the most NHL equivalent of putting all of this in GameStop to screw over hedge funds? Um, the Blackhawks, probably. No. I was thinking about that. The Coyotes might be a good one. Nah, because they were never good. Like, that's the thing. It had to be a thing that was good and was important and useful for a while. And unfortunately, that's just never happened with the Well, I mean... Milan Lucic. The Flyers. Nah, no, no, no. The Flyers are... We have good use for the Flyers. I mean, yeah, they're Comcast. I mean, it's hard because, I mean, I was just trying to, you know, screw over the hedge funds. I was thinking, you know... Well, obviously, it can't be the Panthers having success. Yeah, no, 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 because they were never good in the first place. Uh, well, I was saying, like, I'm thinking, a, a I'm thinking of a player, like, you know, like a Milan Lucic or somebody like that who was given a contract. Could be Sergei Bobrovsky, actually, now that I think about it. Uh, Shame. We're going to talk about that discourse because we have to, and uh, it's not it's not good. Uh, but I will start with talking positively about this this hockey season. We're going to get to the Dubois and Line A stuff. Jim Rutherford decided to resign just before we recorded this show, so we'll get to that in a little bit as well lots of other weird hockey things um with this weird season uh, but i would start about something very weird i couldn't believe it when goldstein said it on the broadcast that the panthers had never started 3-0 and in franchise history until this year and it, I, when it when he said it eventually i'm like okay no it makes sense the panthers are terrible but like well he, i mean if, even this bad you'd think would be lucky enough to be 3-0 and at one point not not really i mean o- me and o'brien were talking about it the panthers typically start the season with a back and back against the lightning you're going to lose the game there is that that's one of your first three games you're you're going to lose lose at least one i mean do you like it's not often that florida would sweep the opening back to back against tampa to start a season and then win another game i mean they got they didn't the season was postponed, so they didn't have to play Dallas, and they got Chicago. I, I wonder if they would go three and zero or four and zero. I guess it's possible if they if they played Dallas, the Western Conference champs, who would be raising their Western Conference banner um, night one. It's it's an interesting story, but I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth, and uh, I'm taking every point we can get, and you know. That seems to be the motto in the room, and I think the tempo on ice and off ice is really being set by Patrick Hornquist. At least that's the narrative coming out. And he, Rather that's him kind than of, be the alternative. <laughs> yes, sir. And I think that's kind of the um, the mentality there is it's all about putting points on the board. Um, you know, in the playoffs, they have those, you know, 16 wins, you win the Cup. So they have either you know, uh, the picture of the Stanley Cup and they fill it with 16 game pucks to signify on the road to winning the cup. It's kind of a vision board. It's a, uh, it's, it's, it's a Pinterest. Watch, it's, it's a Pinterest for ho- white hockey, you know, you know, for hockey players. It's, or, or it's the, um, the slightly less cool version of the, we're putting our name on the bracket after we advanced in March Madness kind of thing. Right. I like yeah. that I, and I think that the Panthers right now are starting the season with that mentality and I think you have to when you're throwing this much adversity to start the season. I mean, I don't really want to call it adversity, but it's definitely challenging. It's definitely not conducive to cohesion and good starts. Especially when half your team is new. Yeah, again. Well, always it seems that half yeah, your team and is there's, new. And, and half your, your, your coaching bench is new. and you're, I mean, the good news do, is, however, do they ever like- – have even with all this extra practice, I don't know how much time they've spent on 
just going out and executing and and putting fine points on different plans and working on you know face-off plays and different things like that because they already have the basics and the generals and and the cohesion and you know the chemistry there i think they had to do a lot of building the pace building the cohesion building team chemistry in this extra practice time whereas a lot of teams are you know like the lightning like the stars and stuff they're running through you know all the system stuff they don't have to do every minute is spent on getting them ready for the next game or keeping their their health maintained and that's a huge advantage it is and it is funny to see um how the stars started with you know basically not playing um or doing any sort of hockey things excuse me until they played and then they won their first three games it's, it's funny how that works and i don't think the lightning need to worry about that because they're the lightning but you know it, it's just if there was any team that would be a guinea pig for this like stop start like how would it go it would be florida and i would have expected you know I wouldn't have expected them to I, – I don't know what the term is because it's three games. It's still probably too early. But there are other teams that have looked, you know, infinitely worse after three games, and you'd be a lot more concerned with them. And because every game is in your division, I think that, you know, every game is magnified much more than a Tuesday night game against the Flames on your Western Canadian road trip in October would normally be. Although every game feels like it. It does kind of – does feel like that, though. I will say this. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, they are three and zero. They they have put together some good signs. Periods and periods. The the elusive sixty minutes is. Uh, it's not quite there yet. It's it's not and and it's really yet. again. It's been the same old same where it's it's been on the backs of Barkov, who by the way looks like, along with other top tier players, have really taken a step off in this. Short I was hearing a lot of discourse this offseason about how Barkov was he dropped off last season. His overall numbers weren't good. He wasn't as good defensively. And he took that personally. He did, and he took that personally, just <laughs> as according to the very good meme. And he did. And also, I think it has something to do with not just Bill Zito, but I think Joel Quenville understands now what makes him tick. Because he, when he put them with Verhage and Duclair, I didn't know how it was going to go. I could think about it possibly and, and speculate, but it's gone way better than any of us could have imagined. Like this is this is the most fun top line the Panthers have had since Yager was on it, obviously. But it's also the best line they've had that has not had Barkoff and Huberto on it since they came to the Panthers. What's what's the difference with this line versus the other line? Like if you had to boil it down to the main difference, R. E. Barkov, like relating to Barkov. What do you think? Like, what, in your opinion, do you well, think it is? I have an answer, but uh, it's interesting to me the way that he plays with these two players, and we, we talked a little bit about it as we were watching the first Columbus game. There's an element of smoothness to the way that Verhage and Duclair play that I think fits Barkov really well. Like he was really good in that, you know, in the Gallant system where they cycled you to death, and they'd have those two-minute shifts with with Uberto and Yager. You just couldn't take the puck off them. But in this, I think Barkov's speed is is a little bit more evident. And also, I think there's an understanding between the players. Like, they just know where each other is. And he can trust those other players to make that pass, right? I don't think that that was an issue necessarily with Uberdo and Dadanoff. But it was a different kind of chemistry that he had with them, right? And I think when you watch the way that, you know, they have an understanding after playing three games that is very, very unique, to a line that's just been put together and has two players that are new. I just think it's the way that those two other wingers play that actually meshes pretty well with how Barkov plays in a way that we haven't seen before, right? Does, does that make sense? Yeah, it, ma- it makes sense. And, and I guess how, from, from my perspective and how I guess I took that difference on the ice and I related it back was, and, and not to take anything away from Barkov's training or, or you know, what he was try- what he's purposely trying to do to improve his own game, which obviously every player has their own, you know, I don't want to take away his author- authority there. Um, but anyway, is I think what Q did was he found two line mates that made Barkov have a fear of getting the puck back. As in, when he was playing with Hubrio and Dadanov, he always knew he would be able to give up the puck quickly and go somewhere because he'd be getting the puck right back and they'd be playing 
more of a soccer possession and passing amongst themselves rather than what is on the ice now is at a, at a certain point, when you give the puck to Verhage and Duclair, they just attack the net with it and try to score. And that and Barkov doesn't get the puck back. So if Barkov has an opportunity, Barkov has to take it rather than getting the pass back because there is no better spot really Barkov can work into where he knows he's going to get that puck back automatically. Like, Barkov wouldn't necessarily have to call for the puck with Hubert and Dadanov. He just knew if I did X, I would be the person to take the shot so they would pass me the puck. That's not the case with this line. And I think that has made Barkov be more decisive himself and say, I want to be the guy this time. It's my turn because I, th- you're not going to pass the ba- back the puck. And, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean it in a good way. It's much, they, They're cutting to the chase. Where the other line, they knew they had time to. You're, you're, so you're saying the they over elaborated that that Uberto Dadnoff Barkov line. You know, they I, they got a little. T- the soccer no. term would be too cute. You know, overpassing. No, no, like I think I well, no, because I think it's a it's a different result. Do you, did you want that whole line to play to their top ability? I mean, I think you get more out of Barkov still with Huberto overall because I think it just if Huberto is off the charts and you're both you're getting you know a Leon Dreisaitl, McDavid, hundred point players. That's what I think you get with those two together now as they're in their prime. Uh, but I think when you, what you do here though is you make Barkov a forty goal scorer. Rather, you know, he he might be ninety points or you know eighty points, but he'll be forty forty some. I think he can be forty forty some goals in a full season with this types of players because it's going to make him step out. And the the goals that Duclair and Verhage score aren't necessarily going to have to be assisted by Barkov as much. They can, I think that makes sense because you've seen already. He might in, lose some points that way because it's not going to be back, back, back. You know, the, the give and goes where Barkov's picking up assists where, you know, sometimes Huberto could have just scored without passing it to Barkov, but he passed it to Barkov who would give it right back to him. So they would just make sure that they did get that extra little movement in the goalie to guarantee the goal. You know, it, it yeah, just. I can see that. That's how I see it. And, you know, it's Q's thinking, you know. If I'm breaking up Huberto and Barkov, I need Barkov to be this type of player, and this is the type of line I can give him, and it's working out great. And now the other thing to do is, okay, well, how do we get the most out of the second line? We got a, a pretty good third line. We got a on-fire first line, and our fourth line seems pretty consistent and interchangeable. So how do we get more out of the second line? And to me, it's getting, it's putting a player on that line that can increase the pace a, a little bit because I think all of them are more east-west, more slow the pace down, more um, they're they're definitely more monotone in their pace and more of a grinding, pushing rather than uh, something that's a little more volatile that changes pace more frequently. But I think it's also interesting how you go from that first line, which is very get-up-and-go, and because you have players like Duclair and Verhage who are both very, very fast and, and do these things. And then you have that second line, which is a different look. You know, you have Patrick Hornquist, who is a, just an asshole who stands in front of the net and makes your life miserable. Right. You have Huberto, who's a great creative player, and you have Alex Wenberg, who, I mean, compared to other centers we've seen, is just he's not going to be flashy, but he gets all the little details right, which means, you know, he's not making the mistakes that you'd see past like Vincent Trocek he's almost the diametric opposite of that like Trocek could do a lot more you know offensively but you know he'd make the mistakes he'd play hero ball and he tried to do too much Wenberg's never going to do that and that might cost him some offensive ability but he plays such a solid game and that helps when you're a team that's trying to be better defensively and a detail-oriented player like that has just has really helped this team in a way that, you know, because you go to the second line last year and it's a black hole, right? Yeah. Now it, I you, mean, don't, you don't fear it in the same way. Uh, right. But, I mean, I think that there is going, when the Panthers get to a harder part of their schedule, and trust me, this is the easy part of their schedule, uh, it's going, they're going to need that, that 
consistent goal scoring from the second line. And for sure, they need Huberto to be playing at his A game. And the only way to do that is to make sure that Huberto has that center or has uh, that go-to player that can play with him and you know he can utilize and, and u- manipulate in the defensive coverage with him to really because Huberto is such a smart player. He needs other players maximize it to to move the chess pieces on the ice for him and i think right now you have hornquist who's great and and you know i'm not saying move hornquist or wenberg but the issue is a lot of times you're they're getting up ice and they're losing odd man rushes because no one has the speed to push the pace a little bit or get behind the d and open for a pass or something like that in the neutral zone and it it, it makes them have to work harder for the for their goals, I mean, because they're working hard, they're playing well, and everything. It's just they have to work hard for for goals because they have to get the puck all the way down the ice, grind it out, you know, do all the right things. And um, I think what's interesting about I wish this, that's more gear. My, my point about this is like this is already a good start when you're not playing Huberto and Barkoff together, and you know Quenville's going to do it when they hit a rut. Right. So, that's the other thing, like, and you can put either Verhage or Duclair on that line. I would assume it might be Verhage just to start. And that adds that little tempo to that line because Verhage's really fast. Um, and so he can pull that when he needs to. It's not like he's starting the season with it, and then when it doesn't work, he doesn't have anywhere to go because breaking them up on the past just, you know, it didn't actually balance the team. But now that they have actual balance in their top six for the first time in, I don't know, six years – you know, it, it shows that he can make that decision when he feels he actually needs to go and put the two back together for that offensive jump. He has I that in his back pocket. Find that, I think he needs to find that answer also from the third line so he can cycle up and he can cycle down at different times. And I think, you know, looking at the third line, uh, I don't know if Vertrano has played well enough to deserve a promotion, but he certainly has that gear and that kind of, unbridled stupidity to do what I'm we talking know about. When he's on, he but, can be such a good but, player. You know, yeah, but he hasn't been on, and you know, he he hasn't really progressed since that contract, and I'm not saying it's a, con- it's a bad contract or he's overpaid or anything like that. I'm just saying that I, that's the only fence post for the time I'm thinking of, but you know, it's, it's the high penalties. It, it kills you. It's the, it's the, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's, he tries defensively, but he's so brain dead at it. He works the wrong way. He works. Well, you can see what direction. happened during overtime in that game where he's just, they're dominating overtime completely. And then he takes a dumb penalty because, you know, Max Domi made a little move in front of him. And again, something like that can cost you a game. It didn't. Right. Man. He just has bad defensive instincts. He has and, those and, moments and where you're just like, at his age Ugh. and at this point when those have been his bad defensive instincts and have been hurting him, I mean, I couldn't believe Q picked him for the shootout. I was like, why are we sending this message? To, to give this? him a confidence boost after what happened is probably but why. Who the fuck needs – why does he need a confidence boost? Sit him. Put somebody else in. He's not getting it. Like, why are we coddling Frank Vetrano when we got Dennis Sanko? We're, we're throwing Dennis Sanko into Syracuse and in, into the fucking rival Tampa's hands. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I can see that. You know, like at some point, I'm gonna start. Uh, and, and there's always something to complain about, I guess. But you know, Q. I'm really hoping Q starts to turn on the wheels and grind it. He's starting to do some things. You know, the first line panned out, but. I mean, any idiot would have said, like, all right, what's the next line? If Hubert gone, what would you do? Uh, Verhage, Duclair with Barkov. I mean, a lot of people who make less than $6 million could make that choice. And, you know, at some point, what's going on with Tippett? Did they, I think they added too much muscle and hesitation into his game. They're making him overthink, and now he's weighed down with too much muscle. He looks slow out there. And, and I don't think he's necessarily playing bad. I think he's playing, he's tr- playing to fit a box that they've placed on him through over, you know, the terrible treatment he's got over the years. And I think now they're going to have to strip away some of that and, and get him to be more, take more risks and be more creative and do all that stuff. Yeah, he hasn't been, he hasn't been as creative as I thought he'd be. I do want to talk just or individual. Or... Yeah, I do want to talk about a couple of individuals that uh, we should talk about briefly here. Um, 
Carter Verhage's better than Jonathan Marcheseau. And I, the first time I watched him play uh, that first game, I started to think to myself, the Marcheseau comparisons are going to happen immediately. And I'm not just saying that he's better than Marcheseau because I think it will be hilarious just to troll people with that. And also the Panthers will protect him for the expansion draft. I have no doubt about that. But the reason why I think he's better than Marcheseau is, you know, Jonathan Marcheseau is really good at that, you know, heavy four-check cycle grinding kind of game that Gallant was really good with and that he played again in Vegas. Verhage's not like that. He's a lot more speed. But also, like, you could watch on those couple goals, like, he has that extra gear, right? Marcheseau doesn't have that. And so that adds another dynamic to, you know, that line where Barkov's always played with really smart players, but they've never been burners, right? Verhage's one of the faster players on the team, but his creativity is great. Like, you've seen some of these passes. They're, they're fantastic. And I think there's a little compliment that he adds to the game that Marcheseau, for all of his good things, just didn't do because he's not that fast, right? And Anthony Duclair is kind of similar. He's been snake bit with some of the things that haven't gone in, and when they go in, they're going to start going in a lot. Um, both of those players have been really fun to watch. I've enjoyed them immensely. And it's not just because they're playing with Barkov, but even if they didn't, I think they'd still be adding a lot to this team. Both of those have, I mean, it's three games, but both of those right now look like just absolute money signings, right? They look pretty good. I mean, we'll see how how it pans, pans out. I mean, I don't, I just don't want to get too no, high and, I think and then have, are have, figure out how to defend have me on a podcast, you know, saying, oh, these are, these are fantastic, blah, blah, blah. And, but they, you but know, the they early signs talking. are as good as you could have asked for. And Verhage's been, like, probably the most standout of all of right. the players. Yeah, and, and it's going to be interesting when they get their time away from Barkov, what happens, and if they can find chemistry with Wenberg and other pieces. Because ultimately, you know, in the playoffs, should we ever get there, and we're in a series, seven games or whatever, I think all seven games, it's Hubert Barkov first line. So, yeah. you, you know. Also, as I say, when, when the season gets a little bit rougher and they go through a rough patch, what happens when they put 11 and 16 together again? Yeah. Like, who I mean, stays it, with them and who moves down is an interesting, is an yeah. interesting debate. And, but and I think both of those players. That you know, and, and all of that. I mean, I've, I've been really happy with Wenberg and everything, but. Again, the the kind of urgency I have with the second line is that line needs to start producing and stuff because, you it, know. It was, it was a little certain... unbalanced, um, particularly, I mean, against Chicago, it didn't matter because the Blackhawks stink, but, you know, they just didn't do enough in that that third game. Just not as much. I mean, the Hornquist scored at the end because Hornquist is an asshole, stands in front of the net. Um, I will say that there has the Panthers And he reaped, really... a, reaped off of that long extended shift from the line before him yeah. uh, right before the face off. And I, I, I honestly almost, I was, I couldn't believe Q didn't, didn't keep Barkov out there when you have six guys on the ice. But, uh, you know, I would just sort of thought like, you know, Barkov and Hornquist standing in front of the net would have been better. Well, we know than, they like to take point shots. Right. And so one of them had the inevitability yeah. of tipping it in, but Hornquist, I mean, I, I'll say this, you know, we've watched him in the league for years. We know what he's capable of. But the Panthers have really never had a player like him. You know, not just on the off it, but on it too. Like, well, just... I mean, I think it's it's he kind of has that mentality of he expects to win every game he's in because he's in it, and he knows that you know, and, and that's a interesting mentality, and that's something that you know Florida needs more of. And uh, I, I he think he is very. He sounds like he's very demanding and in a good way. It's it, something it's not that's like working now. Well, it is, but I also think just the way he plays. You know, it's that kind of it's that good snarl. You know, making it tougher to play against. That kind of you know that good hard to play against that Bill Zito wanted. If you're thinking about a player that's really emblematic of that, it's Hornquist. And like people were wondering, how much does he have left in the tank? I mean, the way that he's playing now, I think he's got plenty left. And it's just the kind of it, player that is a different dynamic for a team that hasn't had a player like that before. And that's a really – and that's, again, it's a welcome sign. You can see what he's doing. You can see what Quenville's like. Yes, I know what I want to do with him, and I know he's going to do it for me. And he's good at it too. There, there's a, a fear, though, that – what's it, 56 games in 104 days? 100 it's 54 and 103. Right, so when does they run out of gas? Well, it's a good question with Hornquist. Well, we'll, we'll, there's we'll, 55 we'll games left, but yeah, I mean, 
I think they have to rest them. I think they have to rotate them out. They have to be, you know, if especially if they start to look like playoffs are a real thing, then you do have to manage his game because, you know, it's about him being able to be a main contributor in the playoffs, and that doesn't happen unless he's, you know, ready, you know, has something left. Like, so, if, like if they had a choice, like scratch him against Detroit in the second of a back-to-back, it's something I wouldn't care about because then it's like, okay, you can probably beat Detroit without him in the second of a back-to-back, something like that. But Hornquist has been a very good addition, and he's been way better than I thought. Mike Mathis has been hurt all the time. When do you so. – well, Mike Mathis, that, that means that's the only reason it's even close to debate and we're not laughing. Oh, I know. But, I mean, I watched that first game when he played the Flyers, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, Pittsburgh. I mean, we warned you, but still, I'm sorry. You They're don't fine. That. Their intern GM's a Swede. They'll I, make he out is a like, Swede. He is a sweet. Make out. Uh, a couple, like, couple of other players I think I want to talk about. Firstly, um, can we not talk about the defense? <laughs> oh, we're gonna have to at some point. But I do want to talk about um, uh, Losterinen, which is apparently how you pronounce it. So I was doing it wrong the whole time, and I am sorry. How do you pronounce it? Losterinen, apparently. Losterinen. Yeah, that's what I think. That's what Goldstein said. Um, I'll have to get a word on. Well, that. if Goldstein's Goldstein's pretty good with adhering to, he's not. Yeah, he's I, no I, Jack yeah. Edwards. Uh, yes. Kulikov. Um, so I, I, what's interesting about him is because we, we talked a lot about Alexi Sarla, and it's funny how they found another Finn who probably is playing the same kind of role Sarla would have played. I like his game. There's a lot, there's a lot that could still – I loved his first game, obviously. It was good. It's been a little quieter then, but he, he's still kind of figuring it out. But there's a, there's a lot of upside with him. He's, well, a, he's a player I wasn't expecting to have this kind of role, and he earned it, and I, I know you like him. Uh, I want to get him higher – talent wingers immediately yeah to start rotating them in i mean what like because he's shown a a penchant for being able to pull off and keep alive plays and uh he's not that big but he has good awareness you know yeah. of what but he I needs to do with if the you puck. want if you want to get you know i think he's gonna if you want to get more more goals out of him you you got you're gonna have to give him somebody other than Frank Vitrano, who can shoot and can skate, but he doesn't make plays for other people really that much. Uh, yeah, I wonder I wonder what and, that would look like. You know, Tippett's with... not really known for make. You know, Tippett's again just a shooter. So who's who's helping who's helping him? Who's get, you know who's gonna get the most out of him? I think you're going to have to find somebody else. Is it pulling up Henestrosa for a bit? Is it, you know, it's not Connolly. Uh, I think Connolly, um, rotational, fourth line, whatever. But Oh, thanks, Dale, for that one. I thought uh, that signing was going to work out. I'm sorry. I apologize. I told everyone. You were right. I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. I said he can shoot and get, you know, on a streak every once in a while, but they already have you hold Amico, who is apparently active now yes yeah i think i want to see him i mean i think anybody you can rotate up into that third line i, I don't want to see lomberg in the on the ice for a long long time ever again <laughs> well i think it, uh, now that Lamico's active and it's possible that nudivar is going to go active soon he's going to the taxi squad <laughs> yeah nudivar should get in the game soon i don't think, I think he's gonna playing be... we're recording this wednesday obviously i don't think he's playing tomorrow but i think he's playing in the detroit series and the only it's... saving grace of this defensive core is that nudevar hasn't played yet i i want to say some things about the defense briefly um i know you have your thoughts. are they four letter words um they are well mm. i'll say that i still think <laughs> ekblad and uyghur's game it's, it's they play the way that they always play and they're fun hey, to watch McKenzie? together Hey Mackenzie, your shit stinks. Start, you know, start playing with your full ass instead of half of it, <laughs> especially on breakouts at the end of games. I mean, like, come on, he's, man. He's had a couple of interesting moments, but cut they still the work. Cut the hair. I think it's it. You know, well, he looks it, like a friend of mine. Burns. They're not like. Hold I, on! I, stop! 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 He looks like a friend of mine. It's very eerie how he looks like a friend of mine, and I pointed that out to him, and we laughed. And I told him that it's actually not a bad thing that you look like our fa- my favorite cult hero defenseman. Well, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind to be your friend right now, but uh, <laughs> well. I think the best thing about Uyghur was that he was an unassuming, get out there and take care of it type of defenseman. Now he's, I, I don't, 
Ugh, he still I, is. He still is. He's not the others. But, but he's got to tone it back. I mean, like, he's just been out to lunch way too much than the Mackenzie Wegar. Like, Mackenzie Wegar's thing was that he was never out to lunch. I can, I can agree and with I, that. And I've seen that, that he's out. And, like, and the thing is, he's not a first-pairing defenseman on talent, really, I don't think. Or, like, you know, there's a lot of the part, a key part of it was that dimension. So it's going to be hard quiet. to justify. He was a very quiet guy when it came to what he did, and he worked well with Ekblad because what Ekblad was and, good at and what he's good at. Yeah. So you know, I, I just want him to return to what got him, got him there. So and, quick other thoughts on other defensemen before you scream and yell, so we could get the uh, the Bobrovsky discourse. Um, I haven't hated Gustav Forsling. He's. I mean, he is what he is. And listen, Nudivar is going to be better, but I haven't hated his game. And he was supposed. He's supposed to be the guy that they end up waving eventually down the end of the towards the end of the year that to get onto their taxi squad that they hope passes and until then get the most you can out of them. They've they've had a few defensemen like Forsling. Uh, I think you know I'm surprised. I'm surprised that you know Forsling's the one that gets a shot, but I guess I think Juleson's There's probably some quarantine or visa issues that are probably holding that well, up. No, I meant, I meant like in years past, like you oh, know, similar, okay. similar age Swedish defensemen who do similar things and are similar, you know, tweeners between the NHL and AHL. But I, yeah. but like I said, it's the new GM, it's the new coach that that pairing, the the, the desire to do stuff. Yeah, um, um, I'm we'll excited see to see Juleson. Juleson and Nudavara are the two D on this roster besides five and fifty two that I have faith in to be good hockey players. So uh, you, you've not been a fan of Gudis. Um, well, he's been, I I've think been, he's been better I've than been, you would have thought he would have. I think he's been better than you thought he was going to be. No, I think he's been worse because I don't. I didn't expect him to be leaving. You know, pulling a Panthers and leaving his feet as much. And I mean, I, I think he's. Again, he's, I think, tried to play outside of himself rather than just remain uh, true to what he is. Um, I mean, I'll take his usual warts, but I thought he was making some bad plays on two-on-ones or, you know, in corner battles and stuff like that, like picking the wrong player to go to into the going into the corner. And, like, if there's anything Gudis is known for, it's – like knowing his way around the corner so mm-hmm. i mean yeah so i i think there's i think that's comfortability i think that's going to get better but he hasn't impressed me i mean strawman has had no so like worth, his expected goals percentage in the first columbus game was a hundred percent that means nothing i'm just pointing it out who strawman strawman yep he was on the ice for no expected goals he, against well i was gonna say he he was on the ice for a long time with that empty net situation. Uh, and I was like, wow, okay, why? And, but, you know, he's had some good passing. He's been very pinpoint with his passing. Uh, I think that's his strength. And it, it's a early on in the year when everybody has rust that's really going to stand out. And I think what Quinville's doing is knowing that Strawman's a depreciating asset over the course of the season – and he's one of the defensemen that you play at the beginning of the year because he doesn't have much much rust. But after that, there isn't really anywhere to go for him. Uh, and- I, I still think if they're going to scratch somebody that is like you know they're not at this point they're not scratching Yandel. And I wrote about that. Um, I think Strom is the guy who you would scratch and you can preserve him at some point this year. You, you can you can preserve him for later on in the year when you need him more and you could play Jolson and Nudivara because I think Nudivara comes in immediately when he's ready. You I know, think and- you have to. I mean, because here's the thing. Nudivara was the D you brought in to, you know, as like your third or your fourth defender. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I would understand, you know, give him a game or two or three to work his way up there. But I think he, I think he had COVID. Right. Ideally, when he's healthy, he is getting close to 20 minutes every night, and he should not be considered 
to be sitting out games. No, 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 no. I think the ones that would be would be Strawman and then eventually Yandel if you ever I, got that I, far, but who knows. I think I think what you sh- you know Yandel, Strawman, Gudis, Juleson, Forsling, Keeper should all be getting games. They should be looking for other defensemen like Vince Dunn or uh, Victor. Victor Mate. Mate. Yeah. You know, the, I like this I like this whole we're going to keep getting defensemen and we're going to try to play the best defenseman as much as we can contractually and carrot stick and all that other stuff they got going on with the handle and, and that stuff. But, I mean, Ekblad, Uyghur, Nudavar are the only safe guys. I mean, I think at times you should say, Strawman, we're sitting you out to, to preserve you. Yandel, we're sitting you out for this or that reason. You know, Forslund, we're sitting you out for this or that reason, but... You know, they should get no more offended than Dreger or should get offended not playing games. You know, speaking of that, speaking of that, uh, we have to go a few moments on the Bobrovsky discourse, which is just, oi. Uh, let me start by saying this. Sergei Bobrovsky also may have had COVID. He I, definitely he, did have COVID, I would say. But I, I mean, they're not going to say, but legally say that. So all protections, yada, yada. I mean, I, I think it's possible he had it. And if he had it, I mean, we don't know how it's affected him personally. And everybody who is listening to this show, everybody who is watching the NHL this year, COVID has touched you in some way, whether you had it or somebody you know has had it. So who knows how that, what that's going to mean for him. Now, listen, I think the, 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 he's given up two horrible stinkers in the first two games he's played. You, we cannot dispute that. Uh, the other goals, I mean... I mean, they're taking weird deflections off defensemen who are in bad positions. I, I can't really blame him for that. And after people, team breakdowns, but... After team yes, breakdowns. You can say most goals come after team breakdowns, but... Yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, and, and I think we're having trouble, Panthers fans are, at the very least. And in general, we're having a bad time discussing Bobrovsky being bad vis-a-vis the team in front of him. It was a horrible problem last year. Where Bobrovsky was bad, but the team in front of him helped him out in no way because the team in front of him was garbage... And we're having it this year where I was listening to somebody talk about this first game against the Blackhawks and like Bobrovsky was bad. I'm like, eh. the team in front of him was bad. We have to start being able to say the team in front of him is not making his life any easier. And we need to say that we can say the fourth goal against Chicago and the third goal against Columbus were stinkers. They were, but the other goals, there's nothing much that you could do when Riley Stillman's getting walked by Patrick Kane and the defensemen are trying to block shots in front of you after having a breakdown and getting your line of sight, and you can't see the puck. You know, that's not his fault. And we need to say that, please. And I understand that Panthers fans are now having PTSD about Bobrovsky. Every time he lets in a goal is not the time to say Drieger should start, because it's not. Please, stop that. Now, we are going to – now, it is, it is true that Drieger is going to start the game that you're going to be listening and watching today, and he's and... playing against Detroit. Yeah. Over the weekend. So what And he'll what, probably what, even play in the next series after that. Against Nashville because it's a back-to-back. What they're doing right now is they are trying to make sure that both of them play. And that's And both thing. of them are ready to be the guy should injuries or COVID or what or performance merit it. Yes, that's exactly what Quenville said today. And I was reading quotes about that from um, some people who were in on the Quenville press conference and that's exactly what he said. So that, that's exactly how we should be doing it, and perfectly fine. I am not worried about Bobrovsky. Again, if the man had COVID, I'm giving him even more Here, of an excuse because, you know, COVID sucks. Here, here's my piece. I, I don't want to give him a COVID pass, even though that's totally fair. I don't want to give him a fact that he's changed over his pads and, like, his equipment for the first time in his whole career, at least his knee pads or whatever, you know, his leg pads. Um, but to, to, to true, uh, a lot of goalies are rocking true right now. I think Carter Hart and Brian Elliott are, uh, for the Flyers fans. Um, and you know, that's not an excuse either, even though, you know, the two goals he gave were underneath his palm and wrist on his glove. That, that short, that glove side, like that area 
that short side is where he seems to be having an issue because the, the yeah, goal against the Blackhawks was that. The Atkinson goal was that. Yeah. It's that short side that and I it, think he's having issues with right now. And what that is is, you know, it could be, you know, equipment, the glove. He, he's not used to where that glove ends on his hand or that that blocker plate or, you know, the weight of the glove or how it sits or, how to, or, you know, his chest protector or something like that. I don't know. Or it's picking up the puck and his reaction time. It could be it, something. To, there's a lot of things that it could again, be. Again, you know, if there is this goaltending department of excellence, this is fixable, and we should give them time to fix it and see if there. this is everything. You know, everyone was – all these fans were talking about how great this is. Let's see if it's great. Let's get let them do their work. And let's, you know, the other thing is, you know, so I'm not giving them a pass for COVID or, or goalie equipment or anything like that. I'm giving them a pass because I said I haven't, I'm not really going to make my full judgment on Bobrovsky. I said this when he started out poorly last year until this season's like quarter mark or this season, I guess in this season, I don't know. When I that said that, I didn't, I, I said what? that way before pandemic so i thought this would be like an 82 game season and last year like, there's like years. 10 to that's there's like 10 more games before the quarter mark right. of the season for the past three and he's got to play them because you know we talked about dreger playing them so the ones that dreger doesn't play don't really count as him getting those games and he didn't get a full preseason and i didn't count all that but you know we the we, we i don't want to beat into death all the difference between team styles between columbus and Florida adjusting to new teams, adjusting to a new place to live. Uh, the that team is already trying to learn a new system, adjust to a new culture and a new coach, and now a new GM. They've had multiple turnovers in their last couple of years. Every year at free agency, they get almost half their roster or like a third of their roster. Something you know, it's it it's something that does not bode well for for hockey. And what it turns into is starting games off poorly. So how did those two bad goals happen? At the beginning of games, multiple breakdowns with the defender decision-making that led to screened and deflected off his own defenders' goals against. And I don't understand how, then, you expect a goalie to be comfortable and play well when that's what he's greeted with every game. When we talk about last year, what was the issue with the Panthers? They couldn't start games well. Or when they started games, and as soon as they got past 10 minutes, they just fell off a cliff and never came back. You know, it was not an environment conducive to making a... Columbus. You, you just know, watch Columbus play with that, that the way that the breakdowns, when they happen... They're not the way that, like, the catastrophic house of cards falling down like it happens in Florida, right? right? I mean, yeah. I mean, because with you have Yandel pinching, then you have Vertrano flat foot, and then... Or McKenzie you know, Weaver blowing flying. a tire or something like that. Yeah, and again, if you if your thing is he need, if, that he just looks uncomfortable in that, he needs to get confidence, you know, all that stuff, how are you going to do that not playing him, not having a good defense in front of him, all this stuff, right? So that needs to be taken into consideration. Uh, and I think that this whole discourse about Bobrovsky is just out of whack, and it's not good because we're not actually getting to the reason why he's struggling, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Yeah, and, and just and one it's of the reasons he's bad. The contract sucks. Playing in them. I mean, if you we break even down, like what Gudas did so wrong with sliding. Not only was that such a terrible slide, the timing of it, how long he was down. All, that you know all of that but Bobrovsky thrives when you let him get up challenge a shooter when his defense trusts him to be the guy he doesn't do well when his defense tr doesn't trust him and gets in front of him and tries to make saves so he doesn't have to well, you saw what happened at the end of the game in overtime where they did trust him to make saves and he made saves exactly and that was just gonna that was a great point thank you I was just gonna bring that up as the as the you know the other shoe the the, to show that you know to, to prove my point here that he wants he needs that trust of his team and everything and the way they play in front of him it makes him play smaller in the net it makes and and again you can say 
that that's good or bad or that's not a goalie for you. But guess what? They're locked in with him until Spencer Knight proves otherwise because it's not going to be Chris Dreger. And that's just a fact of life, you have to admit. I mean, yeah, it's not. It's not. Please, please stop saying Chris Drieger should be the starter because that's just not a realistic thing. Because eventually, worth of time and everything. But I mean, he's going to turn into a pumpkin eventually. It's going yeah. to happen. And I like him. He seems like a, a great guy, and his story is wonderful. It's like Scott Wedgwood with the Devils, and I know you were watching that Flyers game too. He's going to turn into a pumpkin eventually because he's not the guy. Bobrovsky well, is. Yeah, there's so. I mean, we talk about Scott Darling, Andrew Hammond. I mean, you look at everybody's goalie on the taxi squad, and it's a Chris Streger. And I'm not saying he's that. I'm. He could be a backup. He could be a good, above average backup goalie. He can be a one B starter. He might even be as good as James Reimer, or or something like that. I totally buy that. But I think with this team and this, like, I just don't see Bobrovsky not being the go-to guy throughout this year. Again, I don't think there is a best version of this team that doesn't have Sergei Bobrovsky on all cylinders. And I, I never thought that was plausible. And again, Drieger played yeah. well you have last to, season. So you have but to make it work, right? Is Chris There's Drieger no going to win a playoff series against the Tampa Bay Lightning? No. Sergei Bobrovsky still can. That's, that's the thing we need to come back to. And that's... Yeah. And that's where we are in the Bobrovsky discourse. Let's see how they play when he plays his one yeah, game against and, Detroit. Yeah, let's but, let's let's give let's give Bob. I know I know it's hard, but I mean, again, Nudovar, the two. What I would say is the third and fourth best defensemen on this team, like defensively, they have not played this year yet. Bobrovsky did not have any preseason games. Was just and he like, barely just, practiced in the preseason, right? And and if we're being honest, every time Quinville came out of practice, he always talked about the next practice had to be a better pace, had to be more, had to be a better, you know, better attention to details and stuff like that. So what, who knows how practice, how valuable that was to Bobrovsky or what he was doing. Can and we not talk about he gave up goals in a scrimmage? Because that's just ridiculous. Like, why does that matter, folks? Yeah, it, does, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But that's so that is our Bobrovsky discourse. Keep just be patient and let's see how he plays in future games. And again, it's it's just far too early to start jumping on him. And especially now. And if and also I'll make this final point before we get on to other things league wide. If Sergei Bobrovsky's had two bad games, which people are saying that he has had, they still won those games. Even in spite of the fact that Bobrovsky played badly, which I don't think he played terribly. He didn't play great, but he didn't play badly. They still won those two games. And if Bobrovsky played a tiny bit better, they're not in overtime against Chicago or Columbus. They would have won those rather easily. And even I was reading Aaron Portsline in The Athletic, who was like, the, he didn't talk about Bobrovsky being bad. He said the Panthers were bad defensively. So thank you, Aaron Portsline. It happens to be that the people who cover the Blue Jackets know more about the Panthers sometimes than some of the fans do, which is hilarious. Um, that is also Allison Lucan, by the way, who are two of our favorites. So thank you, Aaron Portsline, for that. So again, they played... The goaltending was not good enough in these two games, and yet they still won both of them. That did not happen last year, so take for take what you can get, and let's see how they play as time advances further in this season. They're going to play a lot of games, so they're going to need to see how good Bobrovsky is, and I think we're going to find that out. But otherwise, yeah. just in general, time, I, time to see some new uh, forwards and defensemen and that kind of stuff too. I, I'm ready for it. Uh, we keep talking about change and having a lot of turnover and stuff because of the season. I'm ready to see it. Yeah. Ready well, we it. can we can see where it ends up heading. Uh, I I don't think it's been a bad start. It's obviously they've won three games, but there's a lot to be intrigued by and be I'd say excited by. I think that this is a, a very positive start for this team. Let's get to the fact that the Panthers are playing Columbus. They're not going to see Patrick Line uh, yet. Um, we were talking about this trade. It is fascinating. There's so many layers to it. Um, my my first thing is is we're never going to know why Pierre-Luc Dubois wanted out, even if people on Reddit seem to think they know why Pierre-Luc Dubois wanted out. Good 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 on you Reddit for trying. Um, I, I my 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 thought on this is this that was the situation quickly became untenable. They had to do it. This trade was always going to end up like this because it was just problem for problem, and. I hope Pierre-Luc Dubois succeeds because I think he's obviously a really good player, although somebody mentioned, like, is he more Ryan Johansson than, like, Barkoff? Because some people were comparing him to that, and some people are also saying, you know, he could be Ryan Johansson, which, 
let's see how it turns out. Because in Winnipeg, he's going to be the two C. He's not the number one guy. That's Mark Shifley. So, and for Line A, I, I know you worry about how Torts is going to react to him. But also, I think he's going to thrive because you saw that power play for Columbus. They were 0 for 6, and it was absolutely garbage. Like, Patrick Line is going to get his because uh, he is going to be better than anybody they put out on that power play because, oh, my God, it's awful. Yeah, but that'll be the only time it'll be tenable is when it's 5 on 4 and he's got Rorensky or Jones passing him the puck because I don't, they don't have a number one center. They don't have a number two center. They, I mean – I, who's going to be his set? I, I don't see I it. I don't tell me. I don't actually, see it. Actually, I don't I think don't... this would be a terrible idea. Oh, it's God. not Mark Shifley. I mean, yeah, I just don't see this. I just don't see this fit at all. I, I don't get this trade. Well, I mean, I, I think you're right, though, about why it happened. There's certain teams that operate a certain way. Columbus, if you have one foot out the door, you're going to have two feet out the door pretty quickly because they'll move the – you know, it's not the – you know, Talon used to always say, like, uh, if you don't want to be here, you, you, you won't be here type of stuff. But there's guys who'd be complaining for months and months and months and months before they got traded. Well, the thing and is, Columbus this, was, is something, like this was coming to the point where it was just untenable. And that also, I think because of the but dynamics I, of, of I think line it becomes I, untenable because it's what, – what happens is when you go outside the line or when you, uh, you know – want something different and counterintuitive to what Tortorella or even Kekalainen want, you are then forced to either conform or leave. And I think that's – so it, it quickly becomes untenable when that's at least the, the Columbus – you know, it's never going to be tenable if that's Columbus's answer. And it's kind of like the Flyers. If you ever go to arbitration – with the Flyers, and you actually get in the door and have that conversation, you will be traded within a year. It's you can look it up. It just that's what I think the difference with they do and it's like situation with Dubois though is I legitimately think there's something we don't know and we're never. He didn't want to be there. He didn't want to. He didn't like Total. There was a reason. He didn't want to play for the coach. And he, ah, he I, mean, like, I think that's he, part of it, but I don't think it's the main reason. I don't think I mean, it's the he main frankly reason. said he didn't want to be there. I don't. Oh, I don't. No, no, no. I'm not disagreeing with you there. I like, he he just, didn't want to be there. Yeah, I think the main to... reason is not the coach. It's something else. I think that there was legitimately something else that went on there that he said, "I can't be here anymore," and I don't know what that is. Jarmo Kekalainen doesn't know, and nobody other than Pierre Luc Dubois do, knows. And I'm. Do you ever? Do you ever get forced to work at a place for a few years and find out it's just not your bag? That's what happens. Like, I don't – like, to me, I don't get – like, why do we need to know the exact same re- – like, the exact – I don't get it. Like, I think there's something you – know? there, there are, there are elements of a hockey – to Columbus, and he was just like – he saw who works in Columbus. He saw what Columbus was, where it was located. He tried it out. He gave it his best. No one can say he didn't give everything for the logo. Well, except on that last yeah. shift. That, and, again, it was probably because he was told – have a bad shift. If they're going to keep throwing you on the ice and everything and not request your thing and then and then badmouth you and, and Tortorella is going to get to talk about you every time to the press and you don't get to say anything because you're trying to keep your value, just throw one bad shift. He'll shit you, blah, blah, blah. No team will care. That's and probably then that was the end of that. Because, I mean, again, uh, listen, I'm not saying Dubois didn't do anything bad himself or didn't come in saying, I want this and I want this or I'm out and – Torello didn't have every reason to throw him on his ass. I, I, I'm, I'm not well, saying. Well, when you think that. about when you think but, about what he said about Anthony one, Duclair, one right? Perspective. I mean, they've both they've both been pretty telegraphing their intentions and what their actions will be beforehand, and it's gone according to script, and it's gone in a quick time manner. I don't understand the the added drama or confusion around this. It seems pretty cut and dry. Like no fault divorce. Well, the 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 reason why I'm I'm curious about this is not that players have, have left Columbus for reasons. You know, Artemi Panarin wants to live in New York. Sergey Bobrovsky wasn't going to get paid, et cetera, et cetera. I think it or Rick Nash. I I think there's something more here. There's a hockey dressing room dynamic which we don't ever hear about. And as somebody who you know, kind of deals with hockey dynamic uh, dressing rooms for something else that I pay attention to quite dearly, uh, I. And I'm not implying that this is any way linked. I'm just saying it's something that I'm fascinated by regardless. There has to be a dynamic in that dressing room 
that just didn't work and there's a reason behind it and i would be great to know we'll never know though and i mean I, it's 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 pretty much i mean i think that there's general, something major that happened that he didn't want to talk like about any workplace culture it's oh yes leadership the there is a way and if in any way that's not you know Oh, if somebody puts themselves it. above it, you know, like there's all different types of, you know, it's probably the same in your, in anyone's workplace, you know, th yeah. that would lead to it. But yeah, I don't think, but I don't think this is like an Evander Kane Winnipeg situation. No, I no, don't. No, 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 I don't. And think I, is know, that, I don't think. Oh, well, that had a lot of other layers to it too. But right. It yeah. is a. It is a. Well, there's a Back lot of talk about that Winnipeg dressing room too, and uh, <laughs> I, I hope things work well for uh, Mr. Dubois there. Um, for line A, let's see what. Well, also, I think what happens is if it doesn't work for line, like Tortorella, so his his contract expires at the end of the year. So if it doesn't work for this with line A right now, then the next person who goes is not the player; it's the coach. See, I don't know if that's true. I do. I, I think it's almost guaranteed that Torch is done. But then they would have made that move. Wrong. Then they, I don't think they would have made that move. Because I, I don't think, think the they would. The situation has more to do with the coach and more to do with other things than the coach. I should say. I, I mean. I do. I think that. I mean, you you might be right in everything, but I don't think Tortorella leaving necessarily means Laine is going to stay or anything. I think the issue is Laine wanted out of Winnipeg, and he had a list of teams, he had destinations, he had things he wanted, and in Columbus is not that, Jack. Uh, so I don't know what's going to happen, but... I mean, he probably out. wanted a team with the top flight center. There's no top flight center for him to play with in Columbus. Nope. They're not that drafting. Is, that is very one. true. Not, you know, there's not one that they already drafted. There's not one they're going to trade for. I mean, unless they're trading Seth Jones, you know, or or I don't really see it because I don't yeah. think they're Zach Wierenski because of the two, I'm keeping Wierenski. But mm -hmm. uh, I so it is a fascinating dynamic, and it's a good thing the Panthers will not see him yet, although they will see him more. And Sasha could tell him how great South Florida is. Yeah, well, actually, I mean, yes, and and I and still the, don't think that move would be wise for Florida my, if it ever happened because I don't think they need it. But we'll deal yeah, with that another my opinion time. Opinion is that Columbus is going to say is going to put Line A through the ringer to figure out if he's going to want to stay or not, and then move on from him as in the off season if that's not the case. I think that the difference is, is that line has got a ton of leverage because the fan base is already kind of sick of seeing stars leave. You know what I mean? And so but if it goes wrong with line a, the fan base doesn't get to trade, doesn't get to figure out how to trade. No, but then, but they do pay to go to the games. And when they can go to the games, they were not happy with the Dubois situation. And lucky for him, he doesn't have to come back to Columbus this year, but he will next year. And I can tell you that situation is going to be spicy. So right, but I mean, at the end of the day, like Columbus fans aren't driving the, the business decisions and the hockey decisions. No, they're not. They're they're not. But that is an issue uh, from not an much. overall market perspective. If they can't keep the top end players, they need to keep. You know, that but, is a that is a problem. They are, they took an asset that they knew was problematic. I mean, like if, well, if you said it was a problem for so problem trade about, if they were so concerned about keeping a star player you wouldn't trade for patrick line like you know what i mean i could i could see that logic but also you're not or getting the same sort get, of value yeah. otherwise well yeah then you get then you're saying i'm risking and you know it's a possibility and it's probably well, you we know, know yarmo kekline has brass ones so you know yeah, I mean, and they haven't always worked out. I mean, no, of I not. like I like Columbus in a lot of things, but I'm glad I would never root for Columbus. I wouldn't want the people who run Columbus's business or hockey decisions to run my team necessarily. Well, you did hire Bill. We did. They did hire Bill Zito. So, yeah, I mean, there are exceptions. I mean, I'm talking <laughs> about more like Kekalainen and Tortorella. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Like, Quenville is just – well, also, it, somebody brought up the quotes that Tortorella had about Anthony Duclair, which are stupid, and um, and they brought it up. And as, as we begin to wrap this up, I, I was just reminded just how much better Quenville is for a player like Anthony Duclair. Right. Like, and he, he – like, if Line A ever came to South Florida, which I'm not saying he is, but if he ever did, he would thrive. Yeah. He but, would like, be great down here because there's no pressure – He'd be playing with his best friend. It would be the kind of place that maximizes his, his ability. And Quenville also knows how to maximize the ability of players like that. So, so, 
So how how does this work? Like when Lonnie is playing playing video games on the plane, or like you know when Call of Duty with with like, Sasha. Like there's like I I just don't understand how Tortorella says things publicly about his players, like about Duclair and things and stuff. Who uh, you know that drive them away. I don't understand how we cannot be just penning that article already and putting in drafts. I listen, Tortorella is part of it. A hundred percent. I think he is he's trying to not be as much of a hard ass. He's trying to change. Now listen, you, when you're hardwired a certain way, it's hard to change. Let's be fair. But I again it's a matter of like that's the coach. As I said, like if it doesn't go well with Line, then the next thing that goes is the coach. I yeah, don't think I mean, he's changed, is- but he's still he's changed, but he'd still say he's a my way or the highway. Guy. Oh yeah, he is still a bit. And 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 so, that's the one thing about Joel Quenville. And, Joel Quenville is not that. So like if 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 Duclair needed certain things to offensively contribute and everything, and didn't do certain things to get certain ice time, I don't understand how Patrick Lina is going to do those things or get those opportunities or things like that. I think because Torts is going to be under more pressure than ever to give that to him. I think is how that dynamic will work. We'll see how it, it ends up heading up. Uh, Jim Rutherford retired, well resigned for personal reasons. Hope he is doing okay. Um, just, just an interesting timing. There is a Swede now as interim GM. Uh, the I think, I think it's the play. I think it's Jim Rutherford was like, if this continues for another couple weeks, I'm probably getting fired. So I'm, or like, I don't you know, know, if it's that, but his contract, contract was expiring and it sure yeah, looked like I think he wasn't coming back. I think he's stepping, stepping aside to save face, and then there's already talk that he's going to reevaluate and see if he wants to do anything next year. So, like, you know what I mean? Like, when you hear that getting pumped out by friendly media members already, it kind of seems like... He, he right. exits stage right before the, you know, yeah. it hits the and fan. Now, the, I still think... I, I mentioned this on Twitter. Uh, oh, is that Dale Talon's music? Yeah. Oh, boy. Is that I, Pierre I, McGuire's I, music? Is it Pierre I did. I said that one, too. I mean, I, I hope the Penguins hire an actual, you know, good GM to give us the best of no. the end of Crosby and Malkin, but... Mm. No, they won theirs. Stop. Oh, you, you, you're, you're very much on the, I hope they go the Blackhawks and Sharks route. Yeah, of course. You I mean, are I Flyers fans. I don't understand, understand why anyone would want anything good to happen to Pittsburgh after um, Mario, well, you, uh, constantly, constantly critiquing you know how rough and hard star players are treated and then totally you know having a brawl i I mean no i just i just can't stand for anything pittsburgh's done i respect that they've won i know they've put together some a couple great uniforms and logos i i can admit you know that they got some stuff but i just you know they're no rangers but they're right under them they they did give the panthers patrick hornquist for um Mike Matheson, yeah. so I'll take that. Uh, yeah. uh, quick, quick, no, I know you talked about it with that O'Brien, which you can listen to. Dementia. Yeah, oh. I know you could talk about the Flyers with O'Brien. Uh, they won last night. Um, you had any thoughts on other things in the league? I think that, I've think i seen the Flyers. They, they had a little rut, but they're playing a little better now. I still think they're going to be fine. Like, I'm not worried about them. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it, can AV beat, continue to push the right buttons? Can Hayes continue to stop gap and can they find other centers and defensive stop gaps i think that they're going to be in the market for a defender i mean in a regular year they they would be in a market for a defender right now i don't know if well, one for don or mete uh, yeah of course maybe uh i i could see that i i just for for philadelphia it's really gut check time and just about how they respond and, and how they pull themselves out. Like Ken Carter Hart pull himself back with, you know, the help of Brian Elliott. Uh, and, you know, Ken Provorov and some of those D can go to spare, have a, you know, uh, a return to form. Can, can something happen? Uh, you know, Clark Drew just passed Bobby Clark for most games played as, as a Flyers captain. Uh, he just passed John LeClaire for all time NHL points. Uh, so, you know, is, is, can Giroux step up in Couturier's absence and, and, you know, really play above himself? 
there's there's a lot of things that can happen. There's a lot of potential stories worth watching. Uh, and then out in Colorado, it's similar gut check time. Uh, they answered it really well last night uh, with a drubbing uh, in San Jose. But, I mean, come on. Um, Sharks. Right. Martin Jones, right? That's a, that's a gimme. So, and, and Devin Dubnik. Um, I, I will say a couple of other teams briefly I want to mention before we, we get off. It's a good thing Montreal's not in the Panthers division this year. Well, they probably look so good. I think that is the far yeah. away. That I think they're the actually this. I think they're legitimately this good, called, like, and it's not just the division, but yeah, but they're really good. So. What, I guess since it's the Canadian division, they don't have Bush up there, but they could have just been you know sponsored by Bush and called Bush Division or whatever. It's, it's terrible. Molson, by Molson Export. Um, Molson Ice. Yeah, Molson Ice. Uh, they do look good, though, so I have to say. That there is that. Nick Suzuki is really helping my fantasy team. Really happy I drafted him in one of the late. He's good. He's good. Congrats to that. Uh, that good lord. That trade for Pacioretty. It's actually worked out really well for both teams. Yeah, Bergeron. Uh, he gives and he Berge- takes. Bergevin did actually a good thing, and Tyler Toffoli's been good too. I don't know how long this lasts, but good for Montreal. You actually have a team you don't hate for once. Uh, poor the well, Canucks. Canucks yeah. are they? They won recently, but um. We're worried about Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes. Um, I'm de- I mean, Quinn Hughes, I'm not worried about because this is projected. Uh, Pettersson, who knows what's up? But uh, you know, it, playing exposed uh, with not much supporting cast at that weight um, and at that age is is a pretty tough task. And eventually, Reminds they're going to go a little of uh, the Panthers in the past. Yeah, I mean, you know, if it was kind of happened with Danny Briere and Buffalo too. Sometimes, you know, when if you could just shut down Bu- Danny Briere, you could beat Buffalo. And it's kind of the same with Vancouver. If you can shut down Pedersen, you can pretty much beat any, Vancouver. Any other team or any other thing you want to mention? Nope, nope. Just I really hope Colorado picks it up, and I hope me watching fun. games is not the reason that I didn't bring the Flyers, Panthers. Bad luck curse with me. Oh, no. I think they'll be fine. Well, one night against Anaheim, I was like a minus three. They won in overtime, but I only saw the goals Anaheim. So you only saw the goals? Like, oh, no. Yeah, oh, so I, I kept falling asleep waking up. I like, I'd wake up, and they like tied. I'm like, oh, God. I fall asleep and wake up. and yeah. That's always happens with Bob Murray teams. Anyway, we will be back soon with more Why Hockey Goodness. Uh there will be more Panthers games to talk about. In fact, they're going to be playing three in the next four days, and we've only had to talk about three of them, and we did our last, our show last, last two weeks. So, good night and good hockey. We will speak to you soon with uh, more games. And don't freak out about Sergei Kovacic, please. I beg of you.